Praise the Lord. This is Brother Julius Adeomi again. We are going through the Gospel of Matthew. We are now in Matthew chapter 7, which is part of the parables, not parables, the Sermon on the Mount that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to the, to the disciples that are following him. We are now in chapter 7, and it's been intrigued. Let's continue. I go verse by verse and stop and give comment and uh, expansion on this as the Lord leads. Let's go. Judge not that ye be not judged. That's chapter 7 of Matthew, verse 1. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Now, this has been used by many people that wanted to continue in their sin to say, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Right? The Bible is saying you should not judge so that you will be not judged. But they also say the measure you use to judge, you will be measured to against you. But with the word of God is to judge us. We are to judge ourselves with the word of God. If you see your brother that is doing something contrary to the word of God, you have to help him out by pointing it out to him. You are not judging. If you don't judge me, no, I'm not judging you. I'm just pointing out what the Bible says. The Bible that is already judging or condemning him. Which some people try to justify themselves by saying, well, God said judge not. Leave me alone. All right. But see, it's very important that we remember why the Bible says we should judge not, so that we are not judged. Why? Because it says the measure you use to judge others is what God is going to use to judge you. And this is more or less pointing that we should be judging ourselves first. However, it still points out in some other epistles of the, of the, of the apostles that when your brother, you see your, or your brother is going in the wrong path, you that are spiritual, try to reconcile him back to God, try to talk to him, but consider your own self, lest you also fall into that same office. Because if he tries to justify himself and the devil trick you to think, oh, maybe he's right, and you went to do the same thing, you may end up being condemned also. So they consider your own self, lest you also do not fall into the trap. Now, but the Lord is talking to us here that it is God judges by motives rather than the action that is taking place. The motive behind what the person did is what God will use to judge every believer. So, but that's why he's saying, don't judge people right now. Just judge yourself with the word of God. But if you see your brother, I can point to him. This is what the Bible says, okay? And if he thinks, think, for example, how Moses in the, in the wilderness went and married an Ethiopian woman. We say, as he said, he went. So, somehow, maybe the Ethiopian woman was already in the camp with them because they are mixed multitudes that followed them from Egypt. Moses already married with a, a Midianite, a Midianite woman, when, she, when he came back to deliver the, the Hebrews. Okay? But now, they were in the wilderness. The Bible says Moses married an Ethiopian woman, the second wife. Of course, they were allowed to marry two, three, four, five in that generation. So he married this second woman because of her being Ethiopian, a black person, also a black woman. That's what we have seen. All the Ethiopians in that generation are at least dark skinned, not, not light skinned. So his big sister, Moses' big sister Miriam, was disagreed. And he, she got, she got uh, 
uh, Aaron, who is also a big brother of Moses, to agree with, to go along and they confronted Moses and said, you shouldn't marry this woman. And for some reason, Moses disagreed and said, the Lord must have allowed him to marry this black lady. And Moses wouldn't have done that except uh, God allowed it. Also. But they were against it, and, and you can go and read the whole story. And in the end, God has to step in and chastise the sister of Mary, or sister of uh, Moses, Miriam. Okay, that she became leprous, and God, Moses had to intercede and pray for her. But what you are saying there is that she was judging, judging the situation that you are not to marry, a, 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 maybe because she's black, or because she's Ethiopian, or because she's not from the, from the tribe. Whatever it is, they, they disagree that she shouldn't have married the woman. But Moses' motive, they couldn't see the motive. They couldn't say, whether well, he has talked to the Lord about it, God agreed for him to marry the woman. And we know that Moses wouldn't have done that without thinking, without praying about it, because he's no one like him by himself now. Before he married the Midianite, also. And now he's, the brand that time he was not like a servant of God. Now he's a servant of God. No servant of God should go and just take a woman and marry unless he asked the Lord, also. How much more Moses? So, but now they didn't see that and they opposed it and God had to chastise that woman, Miriam, for, for confronting the servant of God. So what I'm saying there is, don't judge according to the appearance because you don't know the motive. If the man has already talked to the Lord and not said, go ahead, why are you to now judge that? So uh, that's an example. Not that uh, we're not talking about marriage. Just an example of judging without knowing the motive or the, what is going behind, what is behind this thing. So that was uh, what, why God said, judge not. Let God do the judging. But still he said, why behold thou the moat that is in thy brother's eye, the big moat, the moat is anything that is speck, but consider not the beam that is in thy own eye. You are talking about the little thing in that brother, your brother's eye, but it is a bigger thing in your own eye. You are not seeing that. Verse 5 said, thou hypocrite, or verse 4, or how will thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the moat out of thy eye, and behold, a beam is in thy own eye. A beam is like it's, it's like, like it's an exaggeration. The one you want to pluck out of that brother is so tiny, but the one in your own eye is so huge. That's what God is saying. God use that as like a, a description here. Verse 5 says, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thy own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat out of thy brother's eye. In, for, in short, he's telling us, deal with yourself first before you try to help the other brother. Deal with yourself. Judge your own self with the word of God. And that's very important for us to always do. Daily search yourself and see that you are, you are walking upright before the Lord. When you see in the end, he says, we saints are going to judge evil angels. That's why you see in the book of Revelation, they classify the saints are clothed in white raiment. White raiment means we are holy and righteous. So anyone that is holy and righteous is the one that can judge other people. So that's why they are clothed in white raiment, symbolizing holiness. Verse 6, give none that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your powers before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Now, let's continue. Verse 7, ask and it shall be given you, seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Now, let me go back to that verse where he said, Don't give holy things unto dogs, 
Don't cast your power before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and come back and end you. Well, that's used generally as a, as a parable. That is, if you are going to tell somebody something, be careful you are telling. That's another way you can put it. Something you think is holy, don't give to people that don't, don't care about things like that. The dogs. Dogs are things that symbolize people that are not holy. You don't take it seriously. Because what you think is holy, to them is nothing, nonsense. Power before swine. Power is a necklace that is for decoration, nonsense. But you don't put it on swine because dog, pigs are swine. Pigs, they don't value what you put on them. They are going to the mud and rule. That's their lifestyle, to rule in the mud. So don't put your pearls, necklace, gold necklace, the pearls necklace. Don't put upon people that don't value it. And so in that same frame of mind, he's saying anything you want to commit to somebody, make sure you commit to the right people. That we value what you are committing to them. Whether it is theory, whether it is money, whether it is even job, coming to the right people that we value, that we take good care of it, that we appreciate what you are giving to them. That's what it means, appreciating what you give to them, and they will be grateful. And then they will treasure it because you are not, they are not swine. And it's, that's what it means. He said, even the swine, you, 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 think they, you think you give them that power, but they will, the swine will still bite you. Because the power you give to them does not mean anything to them. So just, that's a parable for to know where you are putting your investment, where you are putting your treasure, where you are putting your wisdom. Because you may try to say, let me counsel this person. And everything you tell the person, it just straight on the outside because it doesn't value what you say. You couldn't see the wisdom in what you say. So you cast your power before someone. You may even backbite you and say, this fellow, look at what he's told me. And, and, be of, and be offended because of you told it. Let me throw this one in. Somebody, which I don't mention names, but say somebody gave a, a vision, a dream in the church. I say, more like a testimony, and say, yeah, the fellow said he had this dream and related it, but he didn't give the interpretation of the dream that he had, but the dream was about himself and his, his life, his, his, his behavior, and so on and so forth or whatever is happening in his life, he gave that dream. And nobody explained or interpreted the dream. And then, it, some days later, I was praying and the, 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 I remember the dream that fellow related. And the Lord gave me the meaning of what that dream meant to, meant to her. So I called the pastor. I didn't call the woman that I had replaced by the Called the pastor and said, you know the vision, the dream that this fellow, because everybody was there in that show when the woman or the is a woman, testified that he had a dream and she had a dream and so on and so forth. And the pastor said, That's a good point. When I told the pastor, this is what I believe the Lord was telling this woman. And the pastor agreed and said, That's right. Can you just tell this woman this uh, dream, or this interpretation of that dream? I would have said the pastor should go and do that, but I was the one that told you. So I more or less wrote it in a text and said, That dream that you saw. I, I had a, a, a inkling from the spirit that this is what it meant to you. Was that, and the fellow was offended and said, no, it doesn't mean that. I know what it meant. Sorry. Okay, so I forgot about it. So that is like casting your past before swine. I didn't say verbally to, in, into the fellow's face because that would have been confronting also. I only texted it that, and it was personal, not like texted to everybody, just to her that that dream you related, this is what I believe the Lord said means to you. So I'll be careful about this.
be careful about that. He said, no, that's not what it meant. Which means she had another interpretation. She didn't give interpretation in that, in that dream. She more like just wrote really dream. But she didn't agree. But she said, that will be casting powers before swine. Because now the, she, said she, she said she was offended that I interpreted her dream that way. She said she was offended. I said, why would you be offended? Because I didn't tell, not that I tell the whole world. I didn't even tell anybody other than the pastor. And the pastor didn't tell, didn't tell anybody other than that way. Go tell the sister about this uh, dream. Maybe, that, maybe she will understand that dream. When she, agree, when she didn't agree, so forget about it. But for her to think I was offended because you tell the meaning of my dream this way, is strange. Why? Because it's like what Christ said, you cast your power before swine, they will trample them under their foot and then turn again and rend you. That fit that story. I thought I was more or less trying to help. And the fellow came back and rained me and, gave, and told somebody that I'm offended. This fellow interpreted my dream this way. I said, ah, interpreted your dream this way. He didn't tell the whole world. So it's just his problem if he misinterpreted your dream. Just leave it. Verse 7, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. The Lord is giving us wisdom here that is sick. Don't be afraid to pray, to ask anything from the Lord. God will give. Don't be afraid to knock. And keep on knocking, and God will open. For verse 9 says, Or what man is there of you? Whom, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If he then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? In the other gospel, he said, how much then will your father give, give the Holy Ghost to them that ask him? And that is a good point when it comes to asking the father for the, 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 the gift of the spirit. He said, if you, if, you are, if you are a father, will your son ask for bread and you go and give him a stone that you know is going to break his teeth? He couldn't recognize whether it's stone or bread. That's why you give him, right? Are you, are, you, are you loving him enough to give him something that will break his teeth? No. So that is why he said, our father is much more holier than us. And he loves us much more than we can love our children. If we know that we will not give bad things to our children that ask for good things, neither will our father give us bad things. So you can't be asking the Lord Jesus Christ to give you the Holy Spirit and he, and he, has, to, and he has to give you the spirit of, of devil that will hurt you, that send you to hell. So it's, that's what he's alluded to. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, we give you the Holy Spirit. You say, I ask for the gifts of this and the gifts of the sermon, the powers to stand so wonder. If you know that that gift you ask for will hurt you, because some of those gifts can be misused to become an hurt. Take, for example, gifts of prophecy. Somebody wants to be able to prophesy. This is coming to happen. That's coming to happen. You know, that can hurt somebody if you don't say it the right way, if you don't say it in the right time. Some people get offended. Or some people get angry at you. Some and become they become antagonistic. Or some people mis abuse misuse until they become offending God themselves because they are now making money out of the gift God gives to them. So God watches that before He go and deliver to you what you're asking for. Is it something that's going to hurt you? Is he going to is he giving you a stone if you're asking for bread? Is he giving you a serpent that's going to bite you if you're asking for fish? So God watches that. So that's why sometimes you don't get what you ask for. Uh, see, God waits for you to get to the right maturity to give you something like that can that you can undo. The one that you cannot undo, He will give it to you because it may become a hurt. 
That's what Christ is saying here. That our Father, we, each his level, so we give good things to them that ask him. Good things. Not the devil. So you can't be afraid that when I ask for the Holy Ghost, how can I get a, a demon spirit that is prophesying? No, if you ask for the Holy Ghost from the Father, he will give you the Holy Spirit or don't give it to you right now and get you to the right born again experience. I remember when I was just in the churches, not born again, but I was asking these people showing signs of, uh, they call it Holy Spirit, please come upon them and they prophesy. I wanted that too. And the Lord, whom I'm asking from, more or less led me into being born again. After I am born again, then he gave me his Holy Spirit. But before I was born again, I was seeing those people prophesying in those spiritual churches. I said, I want that prophesying thing too. But if I'm asking the right person, the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, he will lead you to being born again because that's the only way you get his own Holy Spirit, not the Spirit that visited them, like you call it supernatural beings that visited them in some, in some meetings. But when I was in America, yeah, one woman told me that, oh, she attended these supernatural places where they are visited by supernatural beings, demons. That this supernatural being he was talking about, she was talking about because she was not born again, she was not a believer. And I was trying to witness to her about the gospel. She said, oh yeah, I know about supernatural things. She said she attended those meetings. But that is not the wrong, the right spirit. So if you are asking the Lord Jesus Christ for the right Holy Spirit, then he will lead you out of the wrong meetings to be born again in the evangelical group. When you are born again, then he can fill you with his own Holy Spirit in answer to your prayer. That was what the Lord did for me, and he will do the same thing for you. That's why the Lord said, you can't be asking your father for fish, and he will give you a serpent that's going to bite you. You can't be asking for bread, and he will be giving you a stone. Our Heavenly Father loves us much more than that, and he will give you the good things. And that's, the Holy Spirit is a good thing. Verse 12 says, Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Whatever you want men to do to you, do to them, is what the Bible says. Verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way. That leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in there. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Now, that two verses are talking about the, the way to life. The way of the world is broad and everybody is going, party, drinking, alcohol, the place is full. Packed full with all those uh, ungodly people doing ungodly things. That's a broad way. They may even go to church, but they are following the broad part of the devil lay up for them. But see, narrow is the gate. Those who are going to heaven, they are going that narrow part where it says straight means you can't just do what you want to do. A straight jacket, something that keeps you tight. It's called straight jacket. That's what you use the word, a straight. Not just a, a road that is straight like this, but it's a tight. Tight. And a tight place that you have to go by on your side so that you have no room for maneuver. That's really what you mean by straight gate that leads to life. And there are very few that are seen and are going that straight gate. But wide gate leads to destruction where everybody is doing whatever they like to do. And they may go to church too, but they are still doing all the things they want to do. Church or no church is what they think. Church to them is just like a social gathering. But the straight gate is what God is commanding us to find. Seek for that, seek that straight gate. It may look like you can't do whatever you want to do because it is the narrow way that goes to heaven. And we are 
following the path the Lord Jesus Christ has laid out. This is the way they are in. Walk in. And that way is the narrow path that will lead you to life. Verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Now that's a warning to everyone that is seeking science and wonders, especially. Especially in our generation. There are so many false prophets. False prophets. That are, he said they come like she in sheep's clothing, that they come like they are also preaching the gospel. Or they are trying to tell you things that have to do with end time message. False prophets. Say, baby, don't let them deceive you. Say, you are going to know them by their fruits. Say, they are ravening wolves. I mean, they are going to lead the sheep, the sheep of God, into the wrong direction. That's why. And the wrong direction is the wolves that are killing sheep. Wolves can kill. So when they lead them into the wrong direction, it's, a, it's a like death for the sheep that are supposed to be in the narrow road. When they lead them to the wrong road, it's death. Also. Verse 16 says, You shall know them by their fruits. You have to watch for the fruits of these so-called prophets. Where are they leading you? Are they trying to make you get gain money from you? That will be their fruit. They are trying to amass money. And then look at their lifestyle also. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. He's talking about these prophets. That if they are good prophets, they will be bringing forth good fruit, the fruit of righteousness. Turning people to God, turning your attention to Christ Jesus is the goal of any prophet or any preacher, any minister, is to turn attention to Jesus, turn everybody's attention to Jesus. Call upon him, call upon Jesus. But if they are not turning attention to Jesus, they are turning attention to themselves, then watch. They are bringing forth evil fruit. But it is a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. And that can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. That will be the judgment of every prophet and preacher at the end. Anyone that is not bringing forth good fruit will be hewn down. Verse 20 says, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Verse 21 says, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. That he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So that's another warning. So everybody may be calling upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, They will say, Oh, we didn't we do signs and wonders in your name. That's what you see in the next verse. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name have done many wonderful works? Like when he sent the apostles out and Judas Iscariot was one of them. And they all came back and said, the devils were subject to us in your name. The Lord they already knew that Judas Iscariot is not going anywhere. No, sir. But they all went and did those things and wonders. So there are many will come like that. Even at the end of the world, there will still be many more that we have that same testimony that they did signs and wonders, but they were not of his. He just allowed the name of Jesus to be used and he's honoring his name rather than honoring those men. So that is very important. You are not to be honored. You are just to Glorify the name of Jesus. You are to keep yourself in the narrow road. That is the only way you are going to be honored when you get to heaven. And he said, verse 20, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. That is, I didn't know who you are. I, huh, yeah, I saw you doing wonders in my name. But I never knew you. That you, are not, you are not part of me. What is it mean when he says, I never knew you? You are not part of me. 
Because he said, anyone that is not of my spirit is not of his spirit. He said, he that, is not, he that has not the spirit of Christ is none of his. The spirit of Christ is the spirit of gentleness, the spirit of kindness, the spirit of love, the spirit that is pursuing heaven, that is pursuing God, the spirit that is preaching Jesus as the Savior. Not just the righteousness. People say, well, we don't, they, don't preach, they don't preach Jesus, but they are trying to be holy in their other religion. No. You have to know, he said, the doctrine of Christ. You have to also preach the doctrine of Christ, that Christ came to save mankind. That is part of the spirit of Christ. If you are not preaching that and you say, well, we are holy, we are from this religion, and we, we are just as holy as any of you guys, and yet you don't preach the doctrine of Christ, you don't preach Jesus is the Savior, then you are none of us. So that is the type of people say, they will come and say, I, I did all those things too. And he said, I never knew you. You are never part of me. That's what he means. He said, depart from me, you walk, you that walk in iniquity. Well, he said, but he said, they are holy. As long as they are not preaching the doctrine of Christ, that's iniquity. That's why God's concerned. They are preaching their own religion. Say, you know, every, every, every other road will lead to heaven. No. I am the way. That is also part of the, that's the main doctrine. If you don't have that way, the way of Christ, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you don't have that, every other righteousness you are trying to do, holiness you are trying to do, it's not going anywhere. It's not going to God. Because he has said it, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So that has to be settled first before any other righteousness or holiness and every other thing we are talking about. Verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And verse 26 says, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it now. As I was saying, these last few verses, very important. That was saying, watch for this. Those who are doing his sins, what he says, you are hearing what he preaches and you are doing it. Say, so you are building your house upon a rock. If you are not doing it, you hear all this teaching, you are not doing it, you just want to do your own way. You are building your house, your house is your lifestyle, your life. Where do you go from here? If you die today, are you acceptable? Are you, being, are you going to be accepted in the kingdom of God that is coming? Are you going to be accepted by God if you die today? Or you are going to be thrown into a lake of fire and hell with the devil? That is your life that you are building. And you are building by what you are doing here or not. If you are doing the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, following his precepts, then you are building your life on the rock. Now, he said the rain will fall, the wind will blow, Storm we came against both those who are building on the rock and those who are not building on the rock. That's the storms of life. What are these storms of life you're talking about? All the tri tri troubles that come to human beings. Even the troubles of not having enough, enough money. It's like a trouble that can make people to go and steal also. Or commit a, a bribery. Or do any bad thing just to get the money. That means they are not building their life on the world that is teaching them. Then they are creating a, a crash for their life in hell, a lake of fire. That's just for the example of that is just money or financial situation. What about diseases and sickness that come to many people? 
Some people, they say, well, they don't have God, they, don't, they, they cry, they cry, they cry, they say, God does not answer, they think there's no God, they begin to curse God. Like Job was told to curse God, but he refused to curse God. That's the storm that came to his life, and he refused to curse God, that means he built upon a rock. Even though he died, in the end, he is going to be in heaven. But God still rescued him before, from that sickness and disease. So when we are building our life on the rock, means we are doing what Christ expected us to do, following all these precepts of the life of Christ. And then when the storm of life came, or come to anybody, you will be standing. Standing found with God. Standing to still confess God. Standing to still love God. Standing to still be righteous in the eyes of God, that you are not cursing God. Like the devil wanted, wanted Job to curse God. And Job said, no. Shall we receive good from God and not receive evil? And he said, though God slay me, yet will I trust him. Then he was standing. Then he was standing. That's why God said, they are bills and bodies, they don't fall. But those that are not doing it, they are not doing the precepts of the word of God, when the storm of life comes, they will fall. They will be the first one to come to curse God. They will be the first one to say there is no God. Why? Because they didn't get what they prayed for, they didn't get what they were expecting from God to give to them. So they said, well, there is no God. That's what they will be saying. And then they are, they are, their life is crashing into hell, a lake of fire. Because there is a God, and he answers prayers. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Like Job said. And that's what the Lord is saying, that when you, when you build your life on the rock, you stay, the rain will still come, the storm will still come, but you will be standing. When you build your life on the sand, the rain will come, the wind will fall, it's the same that comes to every man, but will you be standing? If you are not obeying the word of God, you will not be able to stand. So build your life on that rock. The rock is the word of God, the word of Christ. Verse 28 is the end of the last few verses of this chapter, so where we're going to stop. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sins, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as described. What does that mean? That he taught us with authority. That is, what he was teaching was not like a maybe. He was saying, you had this, but I'm telling you this. Heaven is telling you this. That means he is from heaven. This is what heaven wants. Is from heaven. The one that is telling us what heaven wants is the one that is from heaven. So you have heard that Moses tell you you do this, but I'm saying it this way. Like example in the chapter 5 where I say, you have heard that thou shalt not commit adultery. But I'm even saying it's much stronger than that. If you look to lust after a woman, you have already committed adultery in your heart so that everybody will condemn. Then you can come to the Savior and the Lord, save me. The Bible has condemned me, save me, and then it will change your heart. Because the word of God was to point us to Christ. The laws of Moses was to point us to the Messiah who is bringing the perfect. Those who rejected the Messiah and said they are going to keep the law of Moses by themselves, they just, they just can't make it. And they just deceive themselves. But you make them to see it by those things he touched them in Matthew chapter 5. That's everything you see Moses say, don't do this. I'm telling you now, it's even stronger than that. <laughs> when they all see themselves that way, who, can, who then can be saved? Then he say, now come to me, I'm the Messiah. That's what he's telling them. Come and eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's the only way you can have life in yourself. And everyone that accepted him, we drink his flesh, we eat his flesh and drink his blood by the new bath, by the Holy Spirit that he put in us. That is the only way you can fulfill those words. That is the only way we can please God. That's what the logic was teaching us. Those who rejected him, they just rejected the, the source of life. And I pray that the Lord will give you insight as we go further in this teaching. God bless you.